0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: By Radio Saigon. I'm looking at across the country on Blog Talk Radio and later dot 360com This is Fanatic Radio, America's premier radio network. I'm Mike Gardner. Join with me always Notorious Ben Florence. And that was Chuck Berry, as yes, it is our holiday themed episode because it is our last episode of the 2014 year. before this year has gone by so fast, we almost missed it.
2: Yeah, it really is. I I still thought we were in twenty twelve, so I I'm just totally lost. But yeah, this year has totally flown by. Last uh this time of year ago we were both in college. So what's up with that?
1: And it's it's not even Y two K. So twenty fifteen has some great things in store. But for this That's episode right. we'll go we re- recap the year in sports of whatever major events we liked or didn't like. We'll talk some current events with the uh, the recent announcing that Rajon Rondo is going to my Dallas Mavericks. But we begin today with one of the most hilarious stories I've heard in recent weeks about Sony's movie The Interview, starring Seth Rogen and James Franco, or as President Obama calls it, uh, James Flacco. (laughs) Sony Sony was essentially hacked by... I guess now it's saying the North Koreans are behind this, which I think is very funny because when this first happened, everyone just speculated it was the North Koreans. And now it's like, yeah, it was. So in all our years of radio and watching movies, we've never seen anything like this.
2: Yeah, you know what is interesting? Uh, there was a thing on the great website, mediaite.com, written by a good friend, Josh Feldman, talking about all the movies in the past that have talked about North Korea and that they didn't have an issue with. It shows this one. Of course, the most famous was the Team American World Police. In that movie, they killed uh, Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-il. But, I mean, the whole thing really is ridiculous because, yes, whoever these hackers were, now we know it was North Korean. They threatened terror. Like, do you remember 9 11? And John Stewart was like, why 9 11? What was that? But um, talking about, you know, in any movie theaters, the movie theaters buckled. And then the Sony ultimately buckled. They tried to blame the movie theaters, but then they were like, we're not going to show it at all anywhere. A lot of people speculate to possibly video on demand, get some money back, uh, direct to DVD. And they said no, and now the, group, the best part is that the hackers were like, "Well, thank you for doing this. I guess I guess we're done now." And President Obama was like, "Yeah, I think they made a mistake," and he was frank and blunt about it in the press conference just about an hour ago, uh, and he was he was frank about it, and he even said, "I wish they would have talked to me first because now everyone's making the point. Now all all people have to do to get a movie pulled is to maybe hack into some emails." threatened some terror a very vague terrorist threat. Which I mean there were the I mean, I don't think anybody was the Homeland Security the Department of Homeland Security said it's not a credible, uh, the threat wasn't credible. Sony pulled it, the theaters pulled it. Now it's almost like if people make it the point, well now the terrorists, whomever they are, have won. It's crazy.
1: From a political standpoint, Flo, what would, what would President Flo have done in this situation?
2: Well, I mean, I don't know what authority uh, the president, like President Obama, would have had, but I would have shown the theater. You know, you had uh, Congressman Peter King from Long Island, pretty conservative guy. He's very uh, anti-terrorist and all that. He said, you know, I'm not a movie guy, but now that they made this threat, now if, now I want to go see the movie almost oh, in an act of defiance. I think now the theaters in Sony, yes, they could have had uh, heightened security levels, but now there's all this interest and all this controversy about this one movie that it was certain, if, you look at, if you're look if you going to look at it from a financial standpoint, this movie was generating so much interest, like pretty much any other film, and that it brought us into a crisis with another country that that all everybody's talking about. Hence why it's the first question about this movie, which, who knows, maybe the movie would not even have even been that good, but now the ending was leaked. Uh, how Kim Jong Un was killed was leaked, but you know, if now I don't can't think of any other time where a movie was the subject of the first question at a presidential news conference. So I think that, that Sony could have been like, you know what? Screw you. We're gonna release the movie, and it would have made a ton of money off of it. Perhaps even definitely more so than usual 'cause because now this movie everybody's
1: talking about. But uh, I wanna yeah, I wanna go see nothing. it now.
2: Exactly. I wanted to see it from the get-go. I talked to my father about it. And he always jokes that the last movie he saw in theaters, which isn't true, by the way, was Wayne's World. He was like, oh, I, I think that the topic of that is hilarious. I get the criticism people have that they sh- maybe they shouldn't have directly uh, uh, mentioned Kim Jong-un. Because they specifically mentioned killing him. It wasn't like some uh, figurehead uh, stand-in. But also, they were planning on making this movie. They thought about this movie even before Kim Jong-un came to power. So the whole thing is is really ridiculous. And it is kind of comical now that they they were able to pull off an email hack, which, you know, that is what it is. And now they just shut out an entire movie. And as of right now, unless Sony uh, sells the distribution to someone else, now now basically it's just forty four million, forty five million dollars of just sunk cost now. So who knows what's next. Crazy story. <laughs>
1: I yeah, once again I want to go see this movie. I, I, I I'm a big I'm a big James Franco fan, not necessarily a Seth Rogen fan. But this movie has been plugged for so long, which is the one thing I don't understand. We saw when yeah. They were plugging Franco's character, doing sort of mock interviews for. I think the VMAs was when was when it first sort of came out, and then and then months and, and months and months of trailers. And I love how Sony. First of all, it was so blind to the fact that something like this could happen when they when he first came when the Kim Jong Un came out and said, "You yeah, know, is an act of war. We're going to punish the foolish Americans." That Sony was just like whatever. He's he's lying. There's no way he's gonna do this. Now that it has mm. happened, it's it's interesting. I mean, this movie this movie is gonna be one of the most popular movies of the year. That it's gonna be it's gonna be like Atlantis. You know, people are gonna be searching the depths to try to find this movie.
2: As, well, absolutely. Now it'll be interesting if the movie leaks at some point. Which now they've already leaked the ending. A uh, bits of it have already been leaked. Now, will somebody leak it? Uh, I do think it would be kind of comical if the North Korean hackers, they leaked a movie, and then they're like, oh, why'd you leak the movie? Even though it was them, I could see them pulling some kind of shenanigans like that. But I really think it, it that Sony, at some point, now it was interesting in the the news conference today, somebody asked, oh, will you be seeing the movie at some point? And he was like, well, I, I don't know how I access it. And he was like, I've got a lot of other movies i got to see. Well, it's, it's, you know, I think Sony now totally capitulated to this. If they did, you know, they were carrying the threat about against the movie theaters and doing some kind of attack or something. Which I mean, if there's so many theaters in this country. I don't know how they'd be able to do something like that. But I don't know. That's not my problem. But I mean, they I feel like you know, video on demand for this movie would be huge. Doing it online, Netflix, and how would they be able to stop that? What What would the response be? Well, we're gonna destroy target everybody that has a computer or I don't know cable. I don't know. So I feel like Sony missing an opportunity with this and also missing an opportunity to basically stand strong and think, you know what? Let's see what you've got. Call their bluff and and see what would have happened. I mean if I was going to this theater, if it was still opening Christmas Day, I wouldn't feel threatened. I mean I mean of course that's just me. But a laugh. So, I, this whole thing really is just ridiculous. And, you know, I was talking to uh, one of my good friends here about it. He was like, doubt about it. He was like, now we basically let these guys, you know, run all over us. So, who knows what's next in this is crazy affair?
1: Once again, the Snack Radio is not sponsored by the interview, starring James <laughs> Franco and Seth Rogen. Sony Pictures. Sony Pictures. That, that has been my favorite news story of the past week. And um, that being said, Flo, how was is, how is your first week home? Finals, you finally, you pass your finals. I understood that last time we were on the air for this episode, for this episode you were traveling yeah. a uh, personal finance.
2: Yeah, I think it went well, but, uh, you know, it's definitely great to be back. I've, I've been talking with you come, my friend, "What Winter break is definitely the best break. You don't really have anything to do to just go home and celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, all that. You don't have schoolwork to worry about, like, over Thanksgiving break which everybody always has score to do, and nobody really does it. myself included for the most part for that. But, yeah, being home, back home is great here for almost four weeks. There's just four weeks of just hanging out with friends and all kinds of other shenanigans. And, uh, yeah, always, always good to be back. How's Jersey? Uh, Jersey's good. It's been cold, especially cold today. It was cold the other day. I mean, I'm not surprised. It is uh, mid-December, but yeah, come back full well, frigid and a wind and a cold like
1: the 30s. you know, yeah, it's cold man. Yeah, no, no snow again yet. No polar vortex because the Koreans yeah. won't allow that to happen just yet. Oh, Rolling forward, yeah. we begin our show uh, with some good sports talk of the Dallas Mavericks. My Mavs trading away a few players to get Boston Celtics Rajon Rondo. As Mark Cuban, as many are saying, Mark Cuban is cashing in on trying to get Dirk another title. The one thing I don't understand with this trade is you give away Brandon Wright, who is your backup center. So now it puts a lot of heavy dose and load on Tyson Chandler to basically say, don't get in foul trouble. Otherwise, our next big guy is Charlie Villanueva or Greg Smith, because... They tra- Mavericks traded away Jay Crowder as well, mm-hmm. and so now you bring in Rondo. And the only problem with this, I guess, I get I get what they're saying how he's like a Jason Kidd. He's a pass-first guy on a, a Mavericks team that has so many point guards. But yet you bring in another point guard, so now you still have to share. He still has to share the role with Devin Harris with Raymond Felton whenever he gets back. Off the, off the bench and from injury. God knows when that's going to happen. And Monte Ellis, who takes pretty much bulk of the shots. That being said, Flo, v 360 will be releasing an exclusive piece on this. Is this a uh, good thing for the Mavericks? <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: you know, it's definitely an interesting deal because, as you mentioned now, they basically, behind Tyson Chandler and Dirk, They've got no big guys that they can rely on at all, so they really hurt their depth. They lose. Uh, they traded Crowder, who's one of their better perimeter defenders, a good young guy off the bench, a better point guard than Jameer Nelson. Now we're here on Rondo building that starting five of Rondo, Ellis, Dirk, uh, and. Uh, uh, who, I'm missing the three and uh, Tyson Chandler, Chandler. Chandler
1: Parsons and Tyson ah, Chandler. Chandler
2: Parsons. So that's one of the more exciting, in my opinion, top flies in the game. Now the th- issue with Rondo, he he is coming off the ACL the ter- uh, last year, but without question, he is the one of the elite playmakers in the game. Fewer as good as an offensive playmaker, dishing it out, setting up other guys, as Rondo is. And that was really what the, this Mavericks team lacked. They had, you know, a uh swagger point guard. They still have Devin Harris, uh, the immortal Ray Felton. But, and, but now I think uh, with Rondo, you can make Ellis better in that he doesn't have to uh, take the ball as much. You set up everybody else, but uh, as we said, now with training away Brandon Wright, who's a solid player and who's shooting an outrageous seventy five percent from the field this year. And, you know, he's still young and uh, also, uh another big man in the deal as well. So it's you know, and for the for the Maverick, it's a bold, aggressive move to try to win the title. You're now having elite and you know, one of the best and was dangerous in a balance starting five. But now you do Take away some of that depth. It will be interesting to see how Donnie Nelson and Cuban, and I love how Cuban, uh, Keith Owen tweeted last night because he was at the uh, incredible uh, Colbert uh, sign-off. He said that Mark Cuban sealed the deal there at the uh, at the Colbert <laughs> sign-off, which I think is outrageous. I didn't even see Colbert was in the finale. So, but, yeah, big trade for the Mavs. Definitely game for the title. Make the deep west even deeper. But now you're just wondering how their lack of depth now can come back to hurt them down the road.
1: Can Ray John Rondo play in the West? That's my only concern. You know, he puts up triple doubles against like the Sixers and and the Magic. What happens if is he a good enough point guard to to take on teams like Golden State, who smacked the Mavericks earlier this year, and the San Antonio Spurs?
2: I say yes. I think that now the obvious issue, as I said, with him is in staying healthy. But when he was healthy a few years ago, he, he was making a case that he was for the best pure point guard in the league. Now, of course, he's not a great offensive weapon in terms of his jumper, but he's good enough to keep defenses honest. And he's a very good defender, which uh, Dallas didn't really have at the at that position. So I think I do – Think that when he's healthy, Rondo is one of the best point guards in the game. He's now going to achieve team, you know, a consistent winner. Uh, going to uh, as you could attest to, Fun Town in Dallas. He's out of Boston, uh, which uh, they're in the rebuilding process, so they didn't really have much use for him going forward. And you know, no, everybody realized that this was not going to be a rent. Uh, people weren't going to be able to have a rental of Rondo. So Rondo probably could be in Dallas on camera if everything works out. But I think that he can excel with this team, with this offense, and with Carlisle's system, and uh, make Dallas uh, dangerous.
1: He can drive to the basket. I do give him that. That's something that you, that very few Dallas Mavericks players do this year because we are, I say we, the Mavericks are a very jump shot oriented ball club, which helps and hurts us in so many ways Rondo is a guy that can get to the basket, which is good. Monte Ellis has done that in the past, but a lot of it's most of the time uh, Monte Ellis will drive and get in about halfway in the lane, look like he's going up for a, a little floater, and then just kick it back out. I don't know why he does that, but yeah. with, with with Rondo, he is as you mentioned, he's a good defender. He has played with good players in the past, so he's not. He ain't no Kobe Bryant. He ain't jacking up thirty shots a game. Yeah, I'm curious to see. I'm actually curious to see how it will work cuz usually trades like this happen before, like a couple of weeks before the All-Star break. This is coming even before Christmas day. So he will have a full solid month even before the team's break and go to New York. And now he will then he will have an entire second half of the season to make the Mavericks a better defensive team cuz that West, Western Conference is so loaded for so many reasons. And it looks like, as of last night, a team that many were very excited to see if they could even climb their way back into the playoffs, Oklahoma City Thunder, Kevin Durant, uh, hurt his ankle last night against Golden State.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, as, as as we all know, the West is not only just top-heavy, it's deep. And, you know, this Western Conference, it's it's gonna be it's gonna make the playoffs. Sure, you know, teams stay healthy and keep it together. It's gonna make the playoffs pretty wild out west. You can have you know a three six matchup of two teams that could very well be in the finals. Uh, so it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this all plays out. How Rondo fits in? Uh, will he be you know get out his be running when his feet hit the ground, or is it gonna take him a while to adjust? to Dallas being on a you know championship caliber team once again and now you know as you mentioned you know Thunder have been you know kind of you know, slow as they struggle with how Durant at Westbrook and you know injury issues and all that so it's going to make the bounce of the NBA season particularly as we come up on the uh, the Christmas showcase it's going to make it all pretty uh, pretty, pretty pretty good
1: I love the Christmas showcase. Love the jerseys. This year, though, I don't like the jerseys because if you're, if you're once again, if you're a new fan, you have no idea what their people's last names are. Because I love it. It has first a first name on the back of these jerseys, which I don't I don't know why.
3: Yeah.
1: But that's that's the NBA for you, and we love the NBA some of the time. <laughs> and as we mentioned. Yesterday, think the fans that tuned in to our college football bowl extravaganza, bowl bonanza, now available on PFO360.com. That's right. <laughs> the, while we are gone on break, the college football playoff will toast the beginning of a new era, and by doing so, pin four powerhouse football teams up against one another. Flo and I did not break down those games yesterday because of today, as we will see start with the Sugar Bowl, Alabama, and the Ohio State flow. A very interesting matchup beyond epic proportions. We mentioned on the selection show when we had it that this is fantastic television of Nick Saban versus Urban Meyer. We doubted Ohio State against Wisconsin. They proved us wrong. They got into the college football playoff. They go down to the Superdome face a very good Alabama team. Is it the fact that this Alabama's playing like less than 100 miles away give to the, give the Crimson Tide, that just much of an advantage? Or does Ohio State have something so secret in store? Could they actually dethrone the number one team in the country?
2: You know, uh, it's going to be a tough contest for Ohio State here because, yes, they did like extremely impressive again uh, taking out um, – Wisconsin, but they haven't played a team this year. I mean, yes, Michigan State is a very good team in East Lansing, but they haven't played a team like Alabama. Alabama has been playing tremendous of late. They had that impressive win when they pulled away from Auburn, and they they took they easily dispatched Missouri in the SEC championship game. So it's going to be very tough for an Ohio State team that really hasn't faced that many elite teams like the Crimson Tide, and a team that is, you know, not only strong offense, their offense is good enough. They do have the weapons of Mari Cooper, Blake Sims, uh Geldon, to keep up with this high-powered Ohio State offense. And the Alabama defense will now uh, uh, be willing, because now they've seen Cardio Jones for a week. they are now see what he can do and look at it and break it down going forward. It's going to be a tough contest, and as you mentioned. The Sugar Bowl is basically going to be a de facto home game. I can maybe see Ohio State winning, but I think ultimately Alabama's got this one in the bag.
1: Is it just a matter of too big, too too fast, too talented?
2: You know, I think so. You know, Ohio State, of course, uh, a damn good team in their own right. And they've shown it this year, even with the just a terrible loss to Ohio State and some mediocre performances like Michigan and Indiana and the like. But, you know, you look at it, and uh, you know they—they've got some good players. But again, it's their third-string quarterback. It, he's now in a second start, and uh, it, it took uh, uh, TG, uh, uh, the guy that took over for um, uh, the guy that took over for Braxton Miller. Uh, it took him a few weeks for him to get going, and then he just looked sensational. Godell Jones looked very impressive against Wisconsin. Without question, but also now he he's still only is a second start, and it's in another huge, an even bigger game with even more on the line than the Big Ten championship. So it's I I think Alabama is definitely the better team, and I think they're going to win this game. But you know the bit crazy. The best part about college football is that truly crazy things can and have happened
1: in the past. J T Barrett was the other quarterback. Yes. Yeah. Department. The House Day has been three quarterbacks. I still think Alabama will win. That secondary mm-hmm. is very good. They've and they've proven to defeat the the good teams down the stretch. It all started I remember it all started because of that fourteen thirteen win against Arkansas. They come out with come- bad loss against Old Miss. Everyone's saying Alabama's done. Lane Kiffin's a moron. Nick Saban is, is losing is losing his the sink is the ship is sinking. And then they go play Arkansas by the grace of the SEC referee gods. They get the lucky calls. They grind it out and win. By doing so, they were able to just smack every team they played. It looked very good, very strong. The offense this year is substantially better than it was in years past. Always a good running game, and now a good passing game. Mari Cooper, very, very good. I think Alabama will win it. And then now the Rose Bowl, Florida State, the defending national champions, coming in. I guess the one of the team, one of the four teams, coming in with a chip on a huge chip on their shoulder, because they face a very good Oregon Quack Attack, of a team that hung half a hundred on several opponents. And in years past, we have seen when teams like Oregon get yeah. into bowl games against very good defenses, they yeah. struggle. Let me go to the bank while you're out. And so now. Looking at this game, Flo, it's very mm-hmm. interesting to see is Heisman winner Marcus Mariota. He's actually a more composed quarterback. It's not much as the off in the offense score. Is it a matter of can Oregon's defense contain the Jameis Winston?
2: Yeah, that's right. And but it's also interesting, you know, or- this Oregon team doesn't really turn the ball over. And they've done a great job all year of forcing turnovers. And Florida State, whether it's Jameis Wilson who's thrown 17 interceptions or the offense as a whole, they have struggled at times to take care of the football. That's why so many games are close. Can Oregon State, I think their defense can do it. Now, I think also the bigger question is the Florida State defense, which is definitely not as good as the one we saw last year, dominate so much uh, throughout the ACC and basically uh smash everybody in their path on the way to the Rose Bowl and the National Championship. Can the Florida State defense hold Marcus Mariota and the Oregon offense in check? I think that it's going to be tough for them, but while everybody is picking Oregon, as you mentioned now, Florida State a team with a chipmunk. Nobody's giving them respect, even though they are the so undefeated team. I <laughs> like Florida State to pull the upset in Pasadena. Really? Yes.
1: They do have experience. I think a lot of people sort of underestimate the fact that Florida State is not a good team. Florida State's a very good football team. The only Mm -hmm. difference between last year's and this year's team is Jameis Winston doesn't have as good wide receivers as he had in the year past. But... He still has a very experienced offensive line. Looking at the, the combined number of games that those four guys, five, sometimes five guys have played, five, I guess five guys have played, it it's like 200-plus. The offensive line is so experienced, and that, and that's it. In uh-huh. games like this, and Nick Saban said it the best, it's it's not the first game that's going to be tricky. It's that second game. And all Florida State Absolutely. needs to do is is get through this first game. The only difference is they have to travel. Once again, as we mentioned yesterday in our Bull extravaganza, Bull bonanza, they have to travel quite a ways to face an Oregon team that has to make you know just a you know a country lane drive down the road to Pasadena. Okay. And but I, I I you know I am going to agree with you, Flo. I think Florida State can win. W- one just the fact all the haters that that think that they're you know one went away from blowing their season one pass away from blowing their season because they have basically proven everyone wrong. They've looked so because they've looked so bad they are the mo- they are the most experienced team in terms of the environment they're playing in, the type of hostility, the type of game they're playing in, and what they did last year. So they have had so many close games that they can easily take on, you know, whoever because they've got experience. They have a very solid offensive line. Their defense is good. It's. I think it's going to be high scoring. I do not think it's going to be like a 17-13 game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think both teams will get 30 because, even, because if Oregon goes on the attack early, much like what we saw several teams due to Florida State this year, Florida State will come back. Jimbo Fisher, a very good coach. You know, many could argue that he should have won Coach of the Year. And then just by the fact, I mean, obviously Gary Patterson deserved it from what he did with TCU. But as you mentioned earlier in this in this talk flow, they are the only undefeated team. And that right there should be should be enough to say, this team is pretty good. You know, no stretch, no skin off, no skin off my nose. I think Florida State can win. And that being said... So Flo and I have both have Alabama and Florida State in the national championship game, and we will bring you that in 2015 to see if we are right. But We'll take a break. When we come back, Flo and I will give you some 2015 predictions, our best of 2014, and some uh, interesting NASCAR news, and all the other shenanigans that ensue with this show. Once again, you're listening to Fanatic Radio, presented by one 800 We'll
3: be back. This is Fanatic Radio.
2: Son of a nutcracker!
3: That's the reason you wake up on game day and put
0: on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Lock Talk Radio. I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. Gotta go away Baby, it's cold outside This evening has been Hoping that you drop in Very nice. I'll hold your hand Bet just like My I My mother will start you. Beautiful, what's your My father hurry? will be pacing the floor Listen to that fireplace So strong. really had better scurry Beautiful, please don't well, baby, worry Baby, just to have Put some records on while I pour The neighbors might think Baby, it's bad out there Say what's in this drink No cabs to be had out there (laughs) I wish I knew how Your are like starlight To break this spell I'll take your hat Your hairless swell. I don't say no, no, no as if moving closer At least I'm gonna say that I tried What's the fans are hurting my pride Baby, don't hold out Baby, baby it's, it's cold, cold outside, outside. Oh, You're very pushy, you know? I like to think of it as opportunistic I simply must go Baby, it's cold outside The answer is no But baby, it's cold outside <laughs> The welcome has been How lucky so that you dropped nice in nice and warm oh, out the window <laughs> At the storm. Got your lips look delicious My brother will be there at the door Waves upon a tropical My shore My maiden aunt's mind is Got your lips are delicious well, Maybe just cigarette more Never touched a blizzard before I gotta get home Baby you'll freeze out there Say lend me your call It's up to your knees out there You've really been grand I feel when I touch but your hand. You how can you do this thing to it's me? It's bound to be a talk tomorrow, i be twenty and five, if you got pneumonia and I die, really can't I say, maybe it's
1: course, that was, baby, it's cold outside, Michael Buble, my man, Buble, who I actually watched the uh, NBC, his NBC concert, fantastic, the new Sinatra, here on Fanatic Radio, oh. My Gardner, Ben Florence, Fanatic Radio, brought to you by 1-800-Flowers.com. Before we get to our New Year's resolutions in the sports and history, we sat down with our good friend Tom Shad of the Washington Times to talk some end-of-the-year conversations with the good old Washington Redskins for our weekly conversation. What's it like when you uh, originally started covering the Redskins? From a first-person perspective, how has the team just slowly declined? Uh, I don't
3: know if it's slowly declined, actually. I I think, like, as soon as I got there, it wasn't going to be great here. At least I, I... I don't think RG 3 looked great in training camp. And I think you pick out a lot of their whole early, you know, line and secondary. Uh, obviously, they've made matters worse by shuffling between quarterbacks back and forth, and back and forth. I think it's six times the quarterback
1: change at So it was like doom from the start, essentially.
3: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I don't, I don't know if i say doom. I mean, I, I predicted them to go six so I, I don't think anybody thought that it was gonna be this bad, but I don't think if you watch the team in training camp you could say, Oh, they're gonna make the playoffs.
1: Right. What's missing? Good where's a good place to start once the season's over.
3: Uh, I, I think the, the best place to start I think is you take Bruce Allen and you just make him president. Um and then you bring in somebody who's maybe a number two or a number three a well-established organization, you know, look at, look at the models, the, um the Ravens, the Hawks, uh, in the 49ers, they haven't had it for a great year You get one of those. Number two guys, we're going to make it to GM. Um, just I think they just need somebody to evaluate talent. Um, Sean doesn't really have a track record of that. And on top of that, I mean, personnel, personnel-wise on the team, there are a lot of players that should not be here next year, i probably won't be here next year. Secondary, off the line, all,
1: all of the place. So it's more front office, at least to start, and then personnel with coaches and players.
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the biggest thing is that in order to get the right personnel here, you need the right guy to the first time. At least that's, that's my read on it. Um, I think you need to have a scouting background that like the sound doesn't necessarily have um, that's not where his it focus has is then so I feel like a lot of it you um been really into the charity events and uh you know things up bringing the alumni back and all that's been great but that's stuff that the president should be doing and you need somebody I think a GM who's really more sort immersed of in the personnel moves and, and has a better track record
1: of making those so has it been like a soap opera covering the Redskins, how something new, a new quarterback every week, some drama happening every other day?
3: Uh soap is actually a great, great phrase for it. Um I mean it's gotta be I I can't imagine that any other three and eleven team has gotten the headline headlines they have. I mean it's just been various things. Obviously a lot of it's predicated on the quarterbacks, a lot of that hasn't been their fault. I mean nobody wanted or expected monitor it
1: Does RG3 leave at the end of this year? i washington times reporter covering the redskins from landover and beyond what has been your favorite story non-redskins related that you've covered recently
3: uh unfortunately it's been it's been pretty pretty red centric um we had to do the national playoff run which was fun um obviously ended a little bit sooner than they had expected uh that was that was fun they had a Year, and one of the stories that I wrote was the whether or not they viewed the season of success. You win ninety six games, finish uh win a second division title in three years, finish top the national league, and you lose in the first round that still a success. And I thought that was really interesting with a lot of guys, um, immediately after they were knocked out in San Francisco, um, a lot of them said, Well it's a failure because we didn't win a title and didn't want a title to the team. But all of guys, you know, were able to put it in all I enjoyed doing that one, and uh, really covering them for the final month and a half, I guess, this season, after its started. But since then, it's been pretty uh, much all
1: all the way through. What were your thoughts about Jason Worth? You know, the Nationals, they had questionable manager calls, keep keeping the pitchers in late or not, so they lose, they get out of the playoffs. And then, then I hear stories of Worth swerving down the beltway, it's insane high speeds. Is this a bad sign of things to come for the Nationals for the off season?
3: Um, oh, I don't think so. I think I I think that, that is just I think it's kind of been overblown, I guess. Um not not to endorse reckless driving oh. and driving hundred and five. Um but I think Andy McGranty was saying it was misdemeanor. Um and I think Jason Worth has, has done a good job of owning up to it. Um from the court transcripts, might not indicate as much. Uh, I think you know he accepts when, when they, according to um, the testimony in court, when he was pulled over, um, the officer said, "What were you doing there?" And Jason said, on my luck." Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of funny, but I also think it indicates that it, it, you know he knew that it was not a very smart move on his part, and uh, I think he to learn from. It. He's a veteran guy; he knows how important he is. Um, the clubhouse especially to this team. So um, I don't think that's a negative tone, I guess, for
1: the Nationals now. Right. And, of course, staying with D.C. sports a couple days ago, the Georgetown basketball team became the first college team to wear the I Can't Breathe shirts. Being someone in the district and having Georgetown just right down the street, now it's turned into this not only just professional phenomenon where you see guys like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant wear the shirt, but now college teams are getting involved with it. What are your thoughts on that, uh, initially, seeing the athletic program taking part in it?
3: I I think, I mean, first of all, I'm all for athletes taking um, social or political stands on on pretty much anything that they believe in. Um, I think that's actually relatively important that they, you know, use, they don't become robots, essentially, um, you know, they have to give up so much to become professional athletes. Um, if are something that they feel strongly about. I think they have, they have the right and they should express it. Um, what's particularly interesting about the Georgetown case, um, is that they, they actually talked about it a lot as a, as a program. Um, John Thompson kind of led those discussions, and he didn't just want it to be like a flashy, trendy thing. He wanted them to really, um, talk about why they're doing it and why they felt it so was important, um. I thought was cool, but yeah, just as a, as a general rule of thumb, um, yeah, I'm all for acid, you know, using the opportunity to take a stand or show a spirit in a stand on any, on any social any I do Yeah, I can't stuff for, for
1: anything else that i And of course, we'll get you out of here on this, since it is our last episode of the 2014 calendar year, what is, what is your news resolution or some sort of resolution you could give to the Redskins for 2015?
3: You want my my personal New Year's resolution or, or for the team? Both would be great. <laughs> uh personally, uh my New Year's resolution is just gonna be to become a better reporter. I think that's something especially when you're young, it just takes a little bit more time to uh get a grasp on and to really um, make strides in. That's something I wanna work on for the team. Or I just I just hope they're let me tell you yeah. <laughs> that would be it's a resolution for the Redskins. It's draft, or trade for, or otherwise require a safety that is a problem for them. Better part of the past, I'd say, eight years. Um, I think that's one one very small step that they can take in the right direction.
1: Uh, all right, righty, Tom Shad, Redskins reporter, Washington Times, and the cover. And watchdog of everything D.C. sports, taking the time to join us here on Fanatic Radio. Tom, thanks again. Good to uh, talk to you and have a good rest of the holidays.
3: All right, thanks, man. You too.
1: Good friend Tom Shad, regular on Fanatic Radio, giving his news resolutions and updates to the Redskins. Flo, do you think RG3 will stay with Skins or will he go somewhere else to New Endeavor's? You
2: know, I I think uh, I think ultimately the team's going to move on. I think if Jay Groon remains the coach, which I expect will, I think they're going to try. Uh, I I think I don't think they're going to cut him. I think they're going to at least first try to see if they can get anything in the trade market. I think they should. I think the time between uh, Griffin and the organization is warrant. The relationship is worn itself out. And I also think that teams, yes, Griffin definitely has this flaws. He's certainly not a drop back quarterback. He's struggled this year, struggled to stay healthy, and you know, the injuries do certain health. But I think that, you know, everybody will look at what he did his rookie year, how he really took the league uh by storm at first. Yes, they caught up to him. But I think that there's they see they see somebody that has a lot definitely has talent. He's got the mobility, although not not necessarily as much, but he's still definitely mobile. He's still good in the read option action. And, you know, he's got a good arm. So I think that there will be teams that will take a plot on him. So I do not see him in the burgundy and gold in 2015.
1: Where would he end up? Who who would be the team to get him? I'm going to go on a limb and say the Dallas Cowboys could be a team. Jerry Jones is a guy that was very interested in Robert Griffin. I don't know why. But I have that hunch that Dallas is probably the most likely city he'd end up in.
3: Yeah,
2: you know, uh, it's possible. We all remember how much uh, Jerry Jones wanted Manziel. And then Romo comes out and just has a tr- has a tremendous season, as he's had this year. Very efficient, particularly joined by the strong rushing attack of DeMarco Murray. I think uh, possibly a team, you know, we always laugh at them for good reasons. But I think a team that needs a quarterback, like the New York Jets, for example, I think they could be interested. Uh, you know, Griffin is a guy; he doesn't, he has shown he can handle the spotlight as he did as a rookie, when everyone was goo goo gaga over him. And you know, so I think a team like the Jets get the mix. And we even look around the league at any other team that doesn't really have a quarterback. Maybe Houston doesn't uh, doesn't seem to have. Certainly a quarterback, is, their answer is not Fitzpatrick, uh, unless, you know, somebody like Case Keenum tears it up. So, you know, you look at these teams around the league, I think a team that has quarterback would be willing to part with, say, a mid-round pick, maybe in a team I've heard also about, is a team that yeah, the Washington made the big trade to get Griffin with, the St. Louis Rams potentially. That would be mm. interesting to see that possibly work out. So I do think there would be a market for Robert
1: Griffin up there. I really do. I like the Houston thing. He's from that area, too. And that that would be mm-hmm. monumental than the Dallas of course the Dallas Cowboys. would be insane. But him going back to Houston, I could very well see that. Flo and I, are, as you have, in case you haven't figured out, are looking into our crystal ball into 2015. Tis the season to be jolly. And Flo and I have got you covered here on Fanatic Radio. Other players with potential ambitions for the 2015 calendar year who will get signed first? Adrian Peterson or Ray Rice?
2: Uh you know it's an interesting case. I think it would be Adrian Peterson, A, because he's a better player than Rice is. Uh he isn't younger, but I think everybody realizes he is A the better back, And B, yes, he has the significant issues, but uh, you know, his case is done. He they pleaded he pleaded no contest. That case, for what it's worth is over. Now, the NFL stepped in it with the, uh, the punishment for him. But I think Peterson is more likely to play than Ray Rice. But I do think, I don't know necessarily at the start of the year, but I do think uh, by the time next year, they will be or will have been on teams. Because, uh, let's be frank, uh, teams are, A, willing to forgive themselves. But I think now the fact that we saw the video of Ray Rice, I think that hurts him. But I think that people, I do believe somebody would be willing to, uh, you know, throw fire up there if they need a running back. If it to running game, you know, take a uh, buy low on one of those guys, and hopefully they pay off. But I do think Peterson is more likely than not.
1: Will he stay with Minnesota? I don't think he will. I think after all what happened, I think he he wants to opt out of his contract and go and test the waters of free agency. I
2: I I definitely agree. I don't see him I don't see him returning to Minnesota next year. Now the interesting thing is well he quit retire and uh, try to become what he what do he wanted to be like track and field star? Which,
3: yeah, awesome. Uh, like that.
1: that would be awesome. Track and field and have that, so much coverage and so much because he is he has a freight train when he runs. Imagine what he would be hopping down the rubber lanes you, you know, in like Germany.
2: Yeah, so, you know, it's definitely interesting, uh, that whole thing. I don't think he's going to retire, but, hey, if he decides, you know, the league has screwed me, and he doesn't want to really feel like playing football, anymore, I could see him potentially walking away. I don't
1: think he will, but, you know, he could. Interesting. So that's Adrian Peterson, more likely to get employed or not employed by... Another NFL team. Continuing with our voluptuous predictions. I don't know what, what sort of what are the big events coming up? What are the big events that we're missing? Are we missing anything when we're off on break? Except thousands and thousands of bowl games. You know, I think
2: it's the bowl games, but besides that, and that's why you know the bowl games have really grown. You know, grown on it's you know it's the, it is the holiday season. There isn't really a whole lot going on. By the time we will be back on the show, the NFL playoffs will have started because this week is Week 16. Next week is Week 17. We don't have a show week from today, so by the time we come back, the NFL playoffs will have started. But by that, but also that's the Friday before the playoffs start, so they have plenty of time. But by then, the NFL, the only thing is the NFL regular season will have been cool. Of course, I want to
1: give a quick business note of Dirk Nowitzki, our good friend Dirk. When he took that $15 million pay cut at the beginning of the year, the Mavericks can go out and get players like Chandler Parsons and now Rajon Rondo. Dirk Nowitzki is the, according to Business Insiders, Dirk Nowitzki is the lowest paid starter on that Dallas Mavericks team. How about that? What a champ. What a team player.
2: Absol- absolutely, you know, uh, it's, uh, quite frankly, I don't think you can say it any better than you, you just uh, articulated yourself right now.
1: Another thing <laughs> happens 2015, the Patriot League starts. Totally forgot about that, American University. Flo, have able to follow our mighty Eagles as they uh, sort of wrap up non-conference play?
2: Um, not as much. You know, it is kind of hard when you're not there following. I didn't follow them as much because it was finals. I was like uh, – uh, and, uh, intrigued on that, but definitely, you know, when I get back, I'll definitely, you know, particularly as we get into the Patriot League play. But you know, the closest thing I've thought I to being connected to the team is the cameos of uh, Pee Wee Gardner and Jesse Reed in the tremendous AU holiday video. I know you loved it.
1: Yeah, I loved. I love the fact that Brennan was in it. Where well, he goes, bye, Claude. See you next year. And he just gets on the bus. Yeah,
2: and and the bad thing is that he's getting on the women's basketball bus. Like, yeah, That's after, uh, you know, that, uh, Jimmy and all that.
0: You know, where's
1: that bus going? What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> I want to wish him a uh, Merry Christmas, uh, and that whole team.
0: Absolutely. I've seen a few games. They've,
1: you know, the, the, the and you mentioned it yesterday, Army beat USC. Holy Cross has defeated Harvard, who was ranked. Patriot League is is loaded this year with with teams that I don't like that they're good. If, if I'm <laughs> right in saying that, I'd rather have like a Loyola or a Boston, or or even a Bucknell or a Lehigh because they've been good teams in the past. The fact that Army's getting key wins and Holy Cross is is, is out with a, out for a vengeance against us. Yeah, that those first Holy Cross I think is like their first Patriot League game. Or it's their second Patriot League game, but we play them in the D- in DC. We have to go to Worcester at the end of the year, which is a game I do not want to play <laughs> because the American University they're six and four. Big win against LaSalle. That was an uh, overtime. Charlie Jones, according to our according to our Philly expert and AU and AU voice uh, Ethan Jenkins, Chuck Jones as he's now going by, is uh, is is Fierce had a monster game. And that fir- their first conference game, American 31st, at Bucknell, but then they play Holy Cross. Holy Cross game is at home. So then they play Holy Cross again February 2nd, and that could be a rough, rough game. Especially a game at Army, third to last game of the year for the Patriot League tournament. It's going to be wild. I do want to give the Eagles a shout-out, though, because statistically... I love how Jesse Reed and John Schoef are still the most consistent guys on the team. And the one thing that is still certain that I hope, as a New Year's resolution, I hope changes in 2015, is AU's bench starts scoring boring. and contributing more. Yep. Because you look at guys like Zach O'Connor and and Marco Vasic, their points per game is like two or three. But an interesting stat that I like is... Uh, points per minute, because points per game takes a whole 40 minutes. Points per minute actually shows how efficient your team can be, which I think is great, because that, that shows how much production you're getting out of your players. And when you put that together, they're almost averaging double figures. So shout-out to the Eagles. Shout-out to the women's basketball team, too. They've had some big non-conference wins. I uh, Hope their uh, 2015 is, is good. Hope they can actually get to the tournament and win. Uh, Flo, before we get to our news resolutions, some, uh, some interesting NASCAR news has emerged. What do Kansas do? Sprint is leaving NASCAR as a title sponsor in 2016. That gives the National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing two years to frantically find a new title sponsor. Is it bad that Sprint is pulling the plug on NASCAR?
2: You know, I'm not surprised. Uh, Sprint has had some financial issues uh, of late. I think a lot of people were thinking that uh, sprint was probably going to uh, pull out of the series, and I, you know, quite frankly, I'm not that surprised. It's going to be interesting to see now, because they do have a couple of years before they have to, uh, before they have to uh, find a new sponsor, then for because they don't want to go back to just you know the Grand National Series. Uh, you know, and I'm sure the old timers would love for Winston to come back, but we know that's not happening any time soon. But it's going to be interesting to see. You know, the uh, we, the the Nationwide, uh series, which is now the Xfinity series, faced uh, the same issue as Nationwide United, as they were going not going uh, to renew their sponsorship, but they're actually going to grow in the series, uh, spend more money. For- it's going to be interesting. I, I, you know, it's it's hard to, it's certainly hard at this point to suggest who could potentially be in the mix because it is, you know, it is a solid commitment, but it can also be some good brand awareness as well, particularly as you know, ratings went up in the chase uh, with the new format and all that. So it's going to be interesting. Now I'm not entirely surprised. Uh, all in all, that Sprint is leaving. But it's going to be interesting to see who potentially could be the lead sponsor going forward. Maybe us in a, a you know, a little hail mary pass.
1: But our budget isn't big enough for that.
2: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we, we're going to need to win the lottery or some action. I could
1: see, I could see someone uh, who's currently a sponsor in NASCAR. Now, I would be interested to see if our like, clothing company sponsored it, or if it just went back to the grant. Oh, love. I saw. I saw a Twitter post the other day that was saying. It was saying, you know I could care less if it's if it's bad for kids or illegal. bring back Winston as a sponsor, <laughs> which is not good we we don't we don't we do not endorse smoking on this show. Any other shout outs Flo? uh best moment of twenty fourteen before we end the show you know, I think you know I
2: was thinking about this earlier you know so it's and and when you think about the totality of the year at the end. You always, uh, you know, are biased more to events that happened of late. And, uh, you know, we talked about this when I was at CVS, we were talking about what's the moment of the year, and most of the big moments seem to happen later in the year. I think that the moment of the year was the uh, the 2014 FIFA World Cup, and not only how uh, the U team U.S. did, but really how, and now everybody knows, even though some pe- some clowns didn't like to admit it, but soccer has definitely grown in popularity in this country. And but I don't think people fully understood how it has when you're go you when you were talking about the men's uh, team, the team USA, the performance, down in Brazil. And I think, you know, the ratings were huge. People were across the board totally into it. I've got, you know, my good friend Jeff, who never really was a soccer fan. Now he's like, all oh, is a soccer, you know, and, uh, you know, following all that. So I think that the the Team USA, their performance down in Brazil, even though, of course, it didn't go all the way. I mean, nobody expected that. They were in the quote unquote group of death. But I think that, you know, their performance and how this country really rallied around that was, I think that was, in my opinion, the moment of the year.
1: In terms of sports moments, you know we rarely, we really you know, the world cup definitely takes takes the cake uh i think i think the shockingest moment of 2014 probably was the super bowl the fact that the broncos blew it on the first play of the game and just how a you know a seattle team with a couple of no names won won the super bowl that being said you could you, we could give person of the year to the moron johnny Manziel for for whatever he has done we can give it to Madison Bumgartner who single-handedly won the World Series for San Francisco. My moment of the year isn't a sports moment. It's a hilarious moment that's happened in the world of politics. Best moment of the year, good or bad, funny or bad, however you view it, was the guy jumping the fence and running and oh, getting God. into the White House. I don't know. First of all, in, in 90% of the other countries in the world, that guy would not be alive. He'd either be beheaded or like, or tortured to the to the hundredth degree. The the whole story behind that I think was hilarious. That was probably my moment because that's when you know that that things aren't right in Washington. Something is going on, and that is not a good sign. When you have a guy jump the fence, run hundreds of yards and get into the house of the most powerful man on the planet. Luckily, he was not there. But the fact that the Secret Service, you know, I and mean, the worst thing they had done before was, was was getting down low and partying in South America. And then this happened. <laughs> and when I first heard that, I thought, well, one, I am not surprised this happened. But two, I am very surprised this happened. And how that guy is still alive, I do not know. But, but you know, I don't. I don't get into much politics on this show. But I thought that was that was that was funny because that's something that will, you can never see happen again. You were you were with CBS News doing that. Flo, what was what was the buzz about uh, about that?
2: You know, it was just such a uh, just a, such a crazy and bizarre story. It kind of exasperated everybody. It was like, how could this happen? You know, and we you know we had talked about it. it. Really, just was one of those stories where. Uh, even you know, people in the media are you. supposed to be even keel and you know be balanced down the middle, you know all that jazz. Even then, it caused people like Scratcher was like, how the hell did this happen? I mean, how does a guy not only jump the fence, which a lot of people thought when you jump the fence within seconds, you know, you're shot, and you know, and, and you're down on the ground. It is not only that this guy was able to run, not only did he, but the guy came to the building. So like, <laughs> the whole thing. Really, just took It was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" It was just, it was just comical what happened, and so I think everybody was like, "Well, what, what just happened? What, how? What?" <laughs> so it really just, it really in a town where so many uh, people's views are you know decided by politics and you know uh, partisan alliances. and so I think it took everybody was like, "What?" So yeah, it really was just, that was
1: just a crazy story. Any final shout-outs? Shout outs to the uh, to people, to people of twenty uh, fourteen.
2: Uh wow. Uh, you know, I'm gonna give a shout out to wow.
1: Um, how about how about what do you want for Christmas, Flo? Oh uh,
2: wow. Uh, what do I want for Christmas? Well, the one thing I would like, I did put maybe a Christmas present or just something I would need at some point down the line. I need to get a suit. I don't have a suit. But I need to start looking sharp if I'm going to be out in the in the real world, uh, you know, scrounging around for a job. So I hope to get uh, possibly a suit. Or w- when you go to that place, Joseph, and they beg you hear the commercials. Buy one, get four suits for free. So, you know, that place is, uh, they, they have all those kind of deals like that. So I need to get a new suit. But beyond that. Uh, you know, new belt would help. Uh, a couple of books. Nothing exciting on my Christmas books
1: anymore, Mike. I'm sorry. No, mine's the exact same. I'm like a sweater, dress shoes,
2: and slacks.
1: Because, That's like right. Ron Burgundy, we like a nice, a good pair of slacks.
0: Absolutely. And more fa- awesome?
1: uh, Christmas with awesome. More fans, more listens. We'd love to, uh, to grow Fanatic Radio. We'll be back in 2015, January 2nd, to Talk about the college football playoffs and, uh, and break down some of the, uh, the holiday movies and bits and bops from the 2014, uh, Christmas calendar. Not the interview, of course. That being said, this has been Fanatic Radio presented by one hundred flowers I want to give a shout out to everyone who's helped us out with this show. Eileen Ehrlich, history and sports, as she will be back on the, on the air next year. And all of us, Tom Shady, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes. It's been Fanatic created by 1-800-Flowers. For the Notorious Ben Florence, I'm Mike Gardner. We're signing off. Happy holidays. See you in 2015, because we're not crazy. We're just fanatics.